0: Well, the first 10 chapters of Leviticus, those of you who've been here, we've been looking at the sacrifices. And really what the sacrifices were, and I entitled it, the Worshiping the Lord. You know, for us to draw near to the presence of Almighty God, we must be holy. And I don't mean that we become holy so that we can come before God, but, but in our sinfulness, we're not allowed, we cannot come into that, that most holy place. And that's why the sacrifice had to be made. And I'm not going to go into detail because we've done it for ten weeks, but the sacrificial system all points to Jesus Christ. Every single bit of it, every, every lamb that was slaughtered, every goat that was slaughtered, every oxen that was slaughtered, when the high priests were given their garments, every garment that, they, that was placed upon them all pointed to Jesus Christ. And nothing's in the Bible by chance. And if you have interest in knowing more about that, you can certainly grab the tapes. But we saw also the illustration of atonement. How sinful man's been separated from holy God, and it took a holy or a perfect sacrifice to restore sinful man back to holy God. And that all of that, again, being a picture of Christ's atoning work on the cross. Now we get to chapter 11, and things are going to start to change a little bit here in Leviticus. We're going to move on, we're still going to be looking at, at laws that are being given to the people, but we're moving away from the sacrifices, and the way away from worshiping the Lord, if you will, and now to walking with the Lord. He's going to start giving them instructions on how to live every day, how to walk with Him. And as He gives them instruction, it's going to be commanding them to be set apart and to be different. You know, to be holy, for He is holy. And so we're going to look in the next five weeks, or four weeks or so, we're going to look at the difference between being clean and unclean. We're going to look at the laws of purification. And the difference between being clean and unclean. Today we're going to look at being clean or unclean when it comes to food. Then we'll see birth, death, diseases, and then lastly, in personal relationships. We'll see the causes and cures of physical impurities are also intended, again, to teach us spiritual truth. When you see the word clean throughout the text tonight, just think acceptable to God. These are the things that are acceptable to God. When you see unclean, these are the things that are unacceptable to God. These are things that cannot come into the presence of God. So as we look at it tonight... The law of purification, the difference between clean and unclean animals, we're going to see three things. We're going to see a diet given for God's people, we're going to see defilement of God's people, and then finally we're going to see the dedication of God's people. So let's begin in verse 1, looking at a diet for God's people. But before we do that, I just want to give you a background real quick, and I want to say this, because it's kind of something that people, you know, talk about a lot, but I believe, and you wouldn't know it by seeing how I eat evidently, but I believe that God cares about what we eat. Amen? Amen? We're the temple of the Holy Spirit. But I also believe that we can get extreme in either direction. We can get extreme in our liberty and say, Hey, man, whatever I want. I do, you know? And then we can get to the other extreme, and we can start condemning other people because they don't see things the way that we do. And as we go through this tonight, I want you to see very clearly that we do have liberty in Christ, but at the same time that God desires that we take care of this temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit that we live in. Now, initially in creation... Adam and Eve were vegetarians. How many of you knew that? Okay. Why were they? Because there was no death. Prior to sin, there was no death. Nothing died. It says in Genesis 1, 29 and 30, And God said, See, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed. To you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the earth, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food, and and it was so. So that means that the lions were vegetarians. The, the tigers were vegetarians. The bears were veg- Every animal was a vegetarian. Because prior to, to sin, there was no death of any animal. There was no death of any plant. Nothing died outside of those things that actually were eaten or consumed by Adam and Eve and the creatures on the earth. Now, after the flood, things changed. Because it says in, Levitic- in Genesis 9, and this is uh, to Noah's sons, God said, every moving thing that, that lives shall be food for you. I have given, them, given you all things, even as the green herbs, but you shall not eat flesh with its life, that is its blood. So they were allowed to eat every, anything. There was no limit. They were just not to take the blood and consume the blood of the animal. And that doesn't mean when you cook it and there's, you know, so my, they're talking about actually taking the blood of the animal because that's something that was done in, in uh, sacrifices to false gods and, and, and idol worship. And so they were not to do that, but they were basically allowed to eat whatever they wanted. So it went from eating the green herbs, and then because of death, because of sin came death, and because of that, now he said, you can eat whatever you want. There's no limit on what you want to eat. Now, as we get to Leviticus 11, we're going to see other food restrictions being added. The law would permit the eating of tame animals that fed on plant life only, they were not to eat wild animals. And they were not to eat animals that fed on flesh. And we'll talk about why in just a minute. So the dietary issues are going to serve a threefold purpose. First of all, it's going to be protection for the Israelites. Because things that were commanded to them, they had no clue that the things, the restrictions that were being given to them were actually going to be for their own health. How do they know that eating raw pork is not good, right? Unless God tells them. But it's bad, right? And we know today, you know, you've got to cook stuff. You know, if you don't cook it sufficiently, you can get sick. And so we see that the Lord's going to give them commands. It's interesting that, that uh, not long after this, a bubonic plague, you know, several hundred years later, wiped out one out of every four people in Europe, and virtually none of the Jews were touched because of the dietary regulations that God had given them. In a day when there was neither refrigeration nor adequate means of cooking, these forbidden foods were the ones that would end up being potentially dangerous. Now, the second thing, along with the protection for the Israelites and their health, was also separation from the world. God wanted them to eat a different way because He wanted them to be different in every way. God wanted them to be different. He wanted them to be sanctified. He wanted them to be set apart. And as Christians, that's what we should be. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. Amen? They were not attracted to Jesus because He was just like them. Amen? We should be different. You know, the sad part is that in the world today, we don't want our kids to be different. Oh, it's just, you know, but, you know, they're, they're going to be so different. Just let them fit in. I don't want my kids fitting in with the world. Amen? And I don't want to fit in with the world either. You know, well, Pastor Dave, you got some radical views on certain things, you know? Like dating, for example. There, by the way, this is Pastor Dave's, Pastor Dave's opinion, but I think I can stand behind the Bible and teach it. I don't believe in dating. I believe in courtship to marriage. Because when you're 14, you're not getting married. Amen? And so you don't need to be, nothing good comes of it. I saw over 2,000 relationships in 15 years of youth ministry, and I never saw one that started in the early teenage years that remained pure or that honored God all the way through. I never saw one. At the very least, people's eyes got off of God and they were thinking about each other when they went to youth group. I can't wait to see you. Instead of coming to youth group and thinking about the Lord. And so sometimes you think, man, that's radical. And, you know, Baymont has a, my daughter goes to a Christian school, and at her graduation they had a boy-girl party, and everybody was invited, and everybody in the whole school went but my daughter. And people were like, Pastor Dave, you know, lighten up, you know, I mean, come on, cut her some slack. I'm like, are there going to be boys there? Then you're not going. That's it. There's no voting on it. Because I want my kids to be different. Well, Pastor Dave, you don't go see those movies? No, I don't. You don't listen to Second of No, no, I don't do that. And you know what? It's okay to be different. Amen? We shouldn't be trying to fit in with the world and be like the world. And this goes all the way back to Genesis when the Lord was telling them, look, I want you to be different. You're going to eat different foods. You're going to act a different way. You you serve the true and the living God. We don't pursue the things that are perishing. We're going to pursue God. Amen? And so we see here that He gave them a different diet, to be separated, not to live like the Gentile nations that were around them, not to defile themselves with food offered to idols. How many of you guys remember the story of Daniel? I know it's a long introduction, but how many remember the story of Daniel? Remember when Daniel was taken into captivity? What was one of the first things that happened to him? They tried to feed him what? The king's delicacies. They brought the food out, and he could have been relieved. He could have said, Whew, I thought they are going to kill me. I mean, they smoked everybody in Babylon. They threw me, you know, they captured me. They have drugged me away to this foreign land. Oh, man, I thought they were going to kill me. Now they're bringing out, you know, steak and lobster. And what does he say? I'm not eating it. Why? Because the law of Moses forbids it. Daniel purposed in his heart at a very young age. He was a teenager at the time and said, I'm going to honor God. I don't care what the circumstances are. And it began with his food. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, all of them were there. And they said, we're not going to do anything contrary to what the law of Moses says. And so him giving them these dietary laws was one for their health, but it was also to separate them from the world. So they would be in the world, but not of the world. They would be different than the world. And so this is one way that it would happen. You've heard of the word kosher, right? before it means right or fit that's that's the translation of it and so they had this specific way that they ate that they would be separate so it is good for us to be different from the world different in priorities what is the world's priority money career fame comfort wealth ease whatever it might be our priority ought to be one thing jesus amen above all else above everything Everything we do, Jesus ought to be in, not be in the equation, ought to be the equation. Amen. It ought to be okay, Lord. What's your heart? Pray about whether or not I should go on vacation. Pray about whether or not I should put my kids in this school. Pray about whether or not, everything, Lord. It's all yours. That's our priority, our entertainment, the way that we dress. You know, the, dressed up uh, in a way that would honor the Lord. Dressed in a way that would honor the Lord instead of attract others. Amen? Not get people's eyes on me, but be, be dressed in a way that would honor the Lord and point people to Him. So everything we do, we should be set apart, we should be different than the world, we should not be trying to fit in with the world. So the last thing we're going to see, along with the fact that it was to, to make them separate, and it was to protect their health, was we're, all, we're also going to see a very clear illustration for us today. And that's where it's, it's interesting because again... We don't have these dietary restrictions anymore. I want to make that really clear. No longer under these restrictions. So when we read these things, you know, it says in here like we can't eat bats. If you want to eat a bat, knock yourself out, okay? I've I've never really wanted to have a bat sandwich. I've never thought about that. But, you know, if you want to, you can go for it. But it's going to say in here you can't eat bats, right? But here's the thing. The Lord changed that later with Peter. You guys remember in Acts chapter 10? Peter still was eating kosher. And the Lord told him, Pete, rice kill and eat not so, Lord. Peter liked to say that, by the way. You can't say not so and Lord in the same sentence. It's either yes, Lord, or he's not Lord. Amen? He said, not so, Lord, and Lord said, what I have called clean, let no man call common. So there is no such thing as clean and unclean animals anymore in God's eyes. But at the same time, and it also says in Colossians, let no one judge you in food or drink or regarding a festival or new moons or Sabbaths. So if somebody's a vegetarian and they have a conviction about that, God bless them. Amen? Amen? And, and if you like to eat meat, don't blast the vegetarian. And if you're a vegetarian, don't be blasting the meat eater. Amen? Don't judge anybody or food or drink. It's, it's irrelevant. It doesn't matter. It's insignificant in eternity. Don't worry about it. It's not that big a deal. But what happens is we get militant about our point of views that have nothing to do with the kingdom of God. And then lastly, in Matthew, it says, it is not that which goes into your mouth that defiles a man, but that which comes out of the mouth that defiles a man. What's more important than what we eat? What we say. Who we are how we live amen now again i believe god wants us to be good stewards of this temple he's given us all right exercise profiteth little but it does profit us some right i mean we need to exercise we need to take good care of the body god's given us that we might finish strong for him that we might be able to to be used for his glory but at the same time we shouldn't be so bent out of whack on on, on you know working out eight hours a day or you know getting all over people that don't eat the way that i eat or do what i do or say what i say and i'm a militant vegetarian man you know you're that's murder when you kill those animals no it's not murder jesus the lord said rice kill and eat amen so is the lord a murderer i don't think so so have as many steaks as you want knock yourself out amen praise god all right but we're going to see tonight in these regulations though even with all that i've said that it has going to have application for us today and it's awesome to me as i was studying this just some of the things that god showed me there are restrictions though i want to make it real clear The three things that we're told not to eat, we're told not to eat things strangled, we're not to drink blood, and we're not to eat things offered to idols. And again, it says in 1 Corinthians, all things are lawful to me, but not all things are profitable. Just because it's okay with God to do it doesn't mean it's the best thing for us to do. Amen? Just because God allows it doesn't mean it's God's highest. You should be praying. You know, if you're struggling, you know, with with your health, maybe you need to change your diet. Now, it's still lawful for you to eat whatever you want, but it could be God's highest that you be a better steward of this body that He's given you. Amen? So I want to encourage us just to not be so narrow in either direction. Again, we should still be good stewards. So we're going to look at protection for the Israelites. Again, separation from the world. The illustration for us today. And again, let not him who eats despise him who does not eat. Let that lot not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Let's not judge each other based on what kind of food we eat. So we're going to hit the first two, but we're really going to concentrate on the third one, the illustration for us today. So beginning in verse 1, the animals that live on land. It said, Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, These are the animals which you may eat among all the animals that are on the earth. So now he switches in chapter, the last chapter he's speaking to the priest, now he's going to speak to the children of Israel, and he's going to give them clear instruction on these are the things that you are allowed to eat. Remember up to this point, if they were heeding what happened with Noah, they could pretty much eat whatever they wanted. But now, there's going to be new restrictions put on that they would be separate from the world, that they wouldn't eat things offered to idols. Verse 3, among the animals, whatever divides the hoof, having cloven hooves and chewing the cud, that you may eat now some examples of those kind of animals ox oxen cattle sheep goats deer etc would all qualify under things that are called clean remember the word clean acceptable before god now what two things must be true about any animal that we're, we're supposed to eat one it must have a cloven hoof or a divided hoof and it must chew the cut So what things do we know about those things which are clean? What are the two things that are significant? The way that they walk and the way that they eat. That determines what things are clean and what things are unclean. How they walk and what they eat. Now, it's interesting to me that that when you look at at the divided hoof and then being, again, being divided, it's interesting that that in Romans 8 it says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ, who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You know what, guys? What determines the difference between you and I and the world? It's the way we walk. It's the way we live our lives. It's the way we've been set apart unto the Lord. And we're going to see in a minute what it means by chewing the cud. In Romans 13, 13 says, Let us walk becomingly as in the day, not In carousings and drinking, not in cohabitation, lustful acts, not in strife and in envy. And in Galatians it says, I say then, walk in the Spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. How you walk will determine and will be proof of whether you've been touched by God or not. By your fruit they shall know you, the Bible says. Amen? And so if you're a new creation in Christ, you're going to walk different than the world. You're going to live different than the world. You're going to act different than the world. Now, you're not going to be perfect. We're still sinners saved by grace. Amen? And we still blow it. But the difference is that our passions, our desires are going to be different. As Christians, we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we should walk divided and set apart. Now it's interesting, the word there for chewing the cud, if you look it up in Hebrew, that word could also be translated meditate. So a divided walk, set apart in the way that you walk, and then the word for chewing the cud is also the word meditate. When you chew cud, it's kind of gross, but when you chew cud, what they do is they chew and they can't get all the nutrients out of it, so they swallow it, then they kick it back up and chew it again, then they throw it back down their stomach, then they kick it back up and chew it again. Can you imagine if we did that? You go to like Burger King in the afternoon, like at two o'clock, I'm kind of hungry, you know, chewing your hamburger for a while longer, just kick it back down. That'd be pretty gross, right? But that's, that's what the cows do, right? No wonder we're eating them, man, that's gross, You kill it, right? But, uh, but that's what they do, and it's interesting, but the same word is the word for meditate. It's like That's what we ought to be doing with God's Word. Amen? It ought to be something that we're chewing on all the time. We're meditating on God's Word. We're spending time getting to know what His Word has to say. In Joshua 1.8, it says, This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, that you may observe to do all that is written. In Psalm 1.2, it says, But His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in His law He meditates day and night. How many of you guys... Don't, don't raise your hand. Just think about it yourself. How many of you meditate on God's Word? How many of you memorize Scripture? How many of you meditate on the Word of God? He's saying, look, the clean animals are the ones that have a walk that is set apart, a divided walk, and it's those who meditate on the Word of God. Those who meditate and desire to know His Word, desire it even more than their necessary food. Cleanliness, holy and acceptable to God, is again, walking divided and set apart and meditating on the Word of God. Again, desiring His Word more than our necessary food. I want to encourage you. I'm so glad you're here on Wednesday night. God bless you guys. And most, and virtually all of you here on Wednesday, you go either here on Sunday or you go somewhere else on Sunday, and that's awesome. Praise the Lord. But I want to encourage you. Don't just read your Bible twice a week. Amen? Read the book, don't wait for the movie. That's a 500th time I've told you that, right? But here's the thing, guys. We need to be in it every day. Because you can't meditate on something that you don't spend time in every single day. So now we're going to move on to the the unclean animals. Nevertheless, these you shall not eat among those that chew the cud or those that have cloven hooves. The camel, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves, it is unclean to you. I'm thanking God because camels are pretty gross. Have anybody been close to a camel before? They're pretty sick animals, man. They're, They're messed up. But here's the thing. They're unclean. And it's interesting that they are the largest of all the unclean animals, is the camel. And that's the first one that he lists here. And it's interesting that doctors have found that if you eat camel, that it it brings intestinal disease. So God was protecting their health, but he's also teaching them something. Because later, what would Jesus say to the, uh, the Pharisees? He says, you blind guides, you strain out a gnat and you swallow a camel. You know, the the Pharisees didn't want to eat any unclean animals, so they would put a little strainer when they poured their juice and stuff or whatever they were drinking, and they would pour it through a strainer in case a gnat got caught in there. And Jesus showed up and said, you know, you guys strain at a gnat, and you're swallowing camels, right? You're chewing on the biggest, fattest of all the unclean animals, man. You guys are straining at gnats, and you're swallowing a whole of the camel. Now, the, it says here the reason you shouldn't eat a camel is it does chew the cud, but its hoof is not divided, now that's interesting to me. So it would be like a person who hears the Word but doesn't do it, right? I mean, the chewing the cut is meditating on the Word, but then when we meditate on the Word, it should be made manifest in our walk. And he's saying, you know what, this is still unclean. Those that hear the Word but don't do it are still walking in uncleanness. Just because you hear the Word, just because you go to church, and that's wonderful that you do, but it should change your life, amen? Amen. How many of you met somebody they tell you they're a Christian and you go, dude, stop, right? Have you ever met those people before? We had a guy over in San Jose, several people in this room know him, and he was over talking to the artist and he told someone he's a Christian and like five people were laughing so hard. One guy was on the floor laughing and pounding his fists on the ground, stop, right? Now that's not a good testimony. That's maybe being a hearer of the word, but you're not being a doer. You're a camel, dude, right? You're hearing the word, but you're not doing it. You can't just take it in and listen to it. It should transform your life. And so they chewed the cud, but they did not have a divided walk. They didn't have a walk that was set apart unto the Lord. And so don't be eating the camel, and be doers of the word, and not just hearers only. It says in verse 5, the rock hyrax, it's also called a coney. You know what? If those of you going to Israel, when my dad and I were there, these conies are these little I don't know how to describe them, but they're, they're a little animal and they're everywhere in Israel. I mean, I mean everywhere you go, you're driving and there's a, you'll look over to the side and there, there'll be 50 of them all sitting on rocks and the, the Jews won't touch them because they're unclean. They're still going by this law. They're like, well, you can't be touching those. Those are unclean, man. Don't touch those. Right? So they're running wild. Right? No one wants to touch them. One's to having anything to do with them. And it's funny. You're driving the bus and the, you go, Oh, there's conies. There they are again. And you see them all over the place. And so right here it says, Don't the coney, because it chews the cud but does not have cloven hooves, it is unclean to you. So much like the camel, it chews the cud, but does not have cloven hooves. The hare, because it chews the cud, but does not does not have cloven hooves, it is unclean to you. So for it to be clean, it must have both a divided walk and it must be one that meditates on the word. You know, choose the cud and has a divided walk. One or the other isn't enough. Must be both. Can't just be one. Let's take a look at the other extreme. Look at verse 7. And the swine, I'm glad that he got rid of that rule because I'm liking bacon, I don't know about you. And the swine, though it divides the hoof, having cloven hooves, it does not chew the cud, is unclean to you. Now the swine's the opposite. The swine doesn't chew the cud or meditate on the word, but it has the divided or you know the set-apart walk. It's kind of like the person that tries to be morally good enough in their life, to somehow please God, but does not have anything to do with God's Word. They're trying to earn it by being a good person, by being, you know, a moral person. I'm going to be moral, and I'm going to be really good, and I'm going to walk the line. And you know, the sad part is that that's what most of the cults are like today, right? People say, Mormons are good people, and from the world's perspective, aren't they? Aren't they good people? From the world's perspective. If you were there Sunday night, the Bible says, there's none righteous, no, not one, Amen? There's none who does good, they're all, you're all, we're all wicked, we're all in desperate need of a Savior. But see, from the world's perspective, but they're really moral. But you know what? They're spiritually dead. The Word of God does not dwell within them. They're like the swine, right? They try to have the walk, but they are not meditating on the Word. They do not take in God's Word. It's not transforming their lives. Again, living good moral lives, but not touched or transformed by the Word. Verse 8. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. They are unclean to you. So don't eat, don't touch. He's saying, look, not only should you not eat them, but don't touch them. Don't have them anywhere near you. So, how's it, what's the application for us tonight? We are not to have fellowship with the world. Even those who maybe know are hearers of the word, but they're not doers, or those who live a moral life, We do not meditate on God's Word. We should minister to them, but have no fellowship with them. Amen? Now, we minister to them because that's the Great Commission, right? Didn't the Lord say, go therefore into all the world and preach the gospel? Shouldn't we have a burden for every single person? Shouldn't we be praying for Osama bin Laden to get saved? Yeah. Should we pray for everybody? Absolutely. Love everyone. Absolutely. Do we have fellowship with them? No. Why? Because bad company corrupts good morals. Right? When you get in trouble, just look around. Who are you hanging out with? Right? you ever notice that you're hanging around the wrong people and it can even be minor they start talking about something you get drawn to the conversation before you know it instead of witnessing to somebody you're being just like them and what this is all about is saying look don't touch it don't go near it if it does if it's not a clean animal if it's not directed in its walk and meditating on god's word don't go near it and the same should be true of every one of us no matter how morally they may live they're still spiritually dead so let's take a look at fish how many guys like fish to eat. want me to. Fish is good. I like fish. So praise God that we can eat fish. But look at verse 9. These you, sh- you, may- you may eat of all that are in the water. Whatever in the water has fins and scales, where the seas are in the rivers, that you may eat. But all in the seas are in the rivers that do not have fins and scales that move in the water any living thing which is in the water. They are an abomination to you. They shall be an abomination to you. You shall not eat their flesh, but you shall regard their carcasses as an abomination." So what kind of fish could you eat? The kind with scales and fins. So in the water, what you could eat, and what was considered clean, was based upon how it moved. The things that moved in the water were good to eat. The things that were down on the bottom, you know, in the mud, you know, the lobsters and the, I know the seagulls won't be eating no lobster. Uh, we talked about that in the Bahamas. And, and after seeing them down, you're like, oh, that kind of gross, right? But here's the thing. They're like the cockroaches of the sea. It's reality, right? But, but it's $500 a pound or whatever it is. But, you know, so the, the reality is that it says, you know, the things that are swimming and moving around in the water, those are clean to you. But those bottom dwellers, those things that feed off the, and, and, and from a health perspective, these were the things that were more likely to get you sick. You know, there's certain shellfish, and it might even be true of lobster. I'm not totally educated on it. But there's certain fish that if you eat them in a wrong time of year, you're going to get sick. Right, I mean, there's certain anim- They're 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 almost poisonous at some way sometimes. Other times, they're in, in season, and you can eat them and that kind of thing. Well, the Lord just is protecting His people and says, "Don't eat any fish that don't have scales and fins. Just stay away from them. Don't touch them. They're bad for you." Okay, but at the same time, what we see is, you know, again, no eels, no bottom feeders, no lobster, no shellfish, no crabs. I do like I do like uh, um, seafood, you know. Soup and stuff Awesome's good. But the things that wallow in the mud, don't touch. Now, in the Bible, what is the water a representation of? What is it? The Word of God. Ephesians 5 says, Sanctify your home by the washing of the water of the Word of God. Right? And those that move freely and spend time in and are, and are moving through the Word are clean. But those that are stagnant and don't spend time in the Word those are unclean. Isn't it interesting that it's those that move freely in the water, those are clean. Those that spend time in the word, they walk in obedience. They tend to strive after holiness, but those whose time in the word is stagnant and they're, you know, they're lobsters on the bottom, you know, sucking on the mud, right? They're, they're struggling in their walk. It's amazing the application for us. So it had an application to their health but It has application for us today that we need to be active in the word of God. Amen. We need to spend time in the Word of God. We need to desire that the Word of God would minister to us. And so those that move freely in the water are those things which you can eat, but those that do not, stay away from them. It says in verse 12, Whatever in the water does not have fins or scales, that shall be an abomination to you. Now we're going to move on to birds. And these you shall regard as an abomination among the birds. They shall not be eaten. They are an abomination. The eagle, the vulture, the buzzard. I'm having no struggle with this. How about you guys? Not, not bothering me, no buzzards, okay, you know, can't have any lima beans, all right, you know, okay, no buzzard, the kite, the falcon, every raven, the ostrich, the short-eared owl, the seagull, the hawk after its kind, the little owl, the fisher owl, the screech owl, the white owl, the jackdaw, and the carrion vulture, the stork, the heron after its kind, the hoopie, and the bat. Yeah, I'm, this is okay, okay, I got no problems right here, right? i I ain't no bats i don't want no bats i don't want you know i'm not looking to eat any you know no vultures no buzzards okay no problem for me right now what's interesting what do all these birds have in common they're scavengers they eat flesh and usually what kind of flesh dead flesh most of the time they're scavenger birds you ever notice that there's a dead carcass on the you know on the side of the road and what's over there picking at it you know raven or something you know like man that's vile right and I, you know, I'll be honest with you. I, I just, again, just sharing a pastor Dave moment here. When I lived in Lancaster, we had these ravens that were like as big as Labrador retrievers. I mean, these 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 things were like that tall, and they they were they would come in your backyard, you know. I've never killed anything in my life, but if I would had a gun, I could blow I could blow a raven away, no problem. Would not bother me. They're big and they're mean and they're angry, and there's no wonder they're type of evil in the Bible, right? And, oh, I agree with that. That's no problem. But they're just mean birds but they're scavengers and that's what these birds are they eat on the flesh and it says those things that feed on the flesh stay away from those things that are into the flesh the dead things of this world you flee from them you don't want anything to do with them stay away from them they should not be in your diet and you should not be touching them now what kind of birds were clean it's interesting the doves pigeons quail and sparrows so unclean birds feed on the flesh what is a dove a type of in the Bible? Holy Spirit. Isn't it interesting? What does the Bible say? We battle, the battle goes on and it rages within us between the Spirit and the flesh. And isn't it interesting that the clean bird, the dove, represents the Holy Spirit? Remember you know when Jesus was baptized? What came upon him? The Holy Spirit descended upon him like what? A dove. Okay. And what animals were used for sacrifices? The turtle doves, pigeons, sparrows. They were used as sacrifices, a representation or a picture of the Savior. And so we see here that the clean ones represented the Lord and these animals that fed on the flesh and stay away from them. And you've got a clear distinction here between the spirit and the flesh. Stay away from the flesh. Don't feed the flesh. Most of you, again, you know I was a youth pastor for a long time. One of the illustrations I use in youth group all the time was that every day there's a battle going on for control of your life between the fleshly tiger and the spiritual tiger. And which one wins the battle? The one you feed the most. If all you ever do is feed your flesh, you know if your fleshly tiger's the size of you know Godzilla, and your spiritual tiger's the size of a gnat, you're going to get smoked all day long, right? If all you're doing is sitting and watching TV, oh, feed the flesh, oh, right, you know, listen to secular music all day, oh, yeah, you know, going out and hanging out with your unsaved friends, oh, right, and then then uh, temptation comes. What are the what are the chances you're going to fall into that sin? Uh, pretty high, right? But if you get up in the morning and you begin your day with prayer. And then you open up God's Word, and you listen to Christian music during the day, and you're hanging out with your Christian friends who are holding up your hands and encouraging you in your walk. When the temptation comes, might there be a different result? Amen? So it's a battle between the Spirit and the flesh, and that's what you see here with these birds. These are all scavengers eating dead flesh. And he says, just stay away from them. Again, we should feed on the Spirit, not on the flesh. Let's move on to verse 20. Then it says, all flying insects that creep on all fours shall be an abomination to you. Again, no problem for me. I'm having no problem with this. I can't eat insects. Okay, that's good. Yet these you may eat of every flying insect that creeps on all fours, those which have jointed legs above their feet with which to leap on the earth. These you may eat the locust after its kind, the destroying locust after its kind, the cricket after its kind, and the grasshopper after its kind, but all other flying insects which have feet four feet shall be an abomination to you so you could eat locust john the baptist took this to heart right what was john the baptist eating locust and honey right I, when i picture john the baptist i picture some guy who looks kind of kind of like john corson if you know who he is right some big burly guy you know real hairy right and he's wearing you know skins on his back and he's got like you know grasshopper you know legs hanging out of his mouth right and that's kind of how I envisioned John the Baptist and repent! You know, that's John the Baptist, right? Go up to the king, man, you need to get right or you're gonna get left. I mean, that's him. I mean, totally John the Baptist. But he was eating some locust, locust and honey. So they were not to eat any other insects. And again, don't feed on those things which are, are vile. Don't feed on the things that are dirty. Don't feed on the things that are fleshly. Feed on those things which are good. Desire the pure milk of the word of God. Desire the pure things of the world, not desiring the things of the flesh. So we've seen the, the, the application for their health, but now we're going to look at the defilement of God's people. Look at this verse 24. But these you shall become unclean. By these you shall become unclean. Whoever touches the carcass of any of them shall be unclean until evening. Whoever carries part of a carcass or any of them shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. The carcass of any animal which divides the foot but is not cloven, hoofed, or does not chew the cud is unclean to you. Everyone who touches it shall be unclean. Not only did Moses warn them to beware of what they ate, but also beware of what they touched. He said, "Beware of what you meditate on, right? Beware of that thing that you chew on. Beware of that thing that you, you know you draw near to you and you feed on. But also beware of the things that you touch. Don't don't go near it. Don't touch it. Flee from it. Again." Touching uncleanness makes you unclean. Now, have you heard that you've, I'm sure you've all heard this before. You cannot walk in all white clothes through a mud field and come out without being muddy, right? And as Christians, I hear people say this all the time. Well, I'm going to go over there and I'm going to, you know, uh, because uh, well, I know she's not saved, but she's fine. So uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go out with her and you know missionary dating and by my just revealing god to her somehow she'll want to know the god that i know here's the reality he's going to defile you you're not going to save him amen the lord must save people we can't now we need to be vessels for his glory we need to be used for his honor we need to be prepared to step out and share with him with others but the dirty can make the holy clean bad company corrupts good morals every single time you start hanging out with Unbelievers, you're going to start living like them. Verse 27. And whatever goes on its paws among all kinds of animals that go on all fours, these are unclean to you. Whoever touches any such carcass shall be unclean until evening. Now this would be dogs and cats and bears and lions, and and you're not supposed to touch their dead bodies back then because it was defiling if you were to touch it. They were unclean animals. Verse 28. Whoever carries any such carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. It is unclean to you. So what happened when you, when you were unclean? If you, touched, if you did go and touch something that God told you not to touch, you decided to go fellowship and just do it anyway. I don't care what God says. I'm doing it. It just looks like too much fun to me. I'm going for it. How have you ever done that before? If your hand's not up, you're lying, right? I mean, we, we've all done it. Because when we sin, God warns us every time, doesn't he? I don't stumble into sin. How about you? you oh, 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 whoops, I sinned. No, that's not what happened. It's usually, that's sin, don't do it, that's sin, don't do it, I, I, all the way there, right? Don't, 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 and you just do it anyway. And God loves us anyway, blows my mind, what a great God we serve, amen? But when you do it, what happens? You become unclean. Now, you're born again, you're going to heaven, you're one of his kids, he's adopted you in his family, that will never change. But, you can break fellowship with the Father, amen? You can break fellowship. You can say, you know what, Lord? Right now, I'd rather go do this than be hanging out with you. I, hey, you know, I'm going to go do that. Yeah, I know this movie's got foul language in it. I know this movie's got nudity in it. I know it's got stuff I shouldn't be watching. I know it's the very sins you died for. And I'm going to take your money to go give it to them so I can watch the sins you died for and hear them curse your name. But I'm doing it anyway because I like action movies. Well, guess what? Uncleanness. Amen? I'm going to go sit down there and I'm sitting there. Oh, this is not good. But you know what happens is we break fellowship. And before we can be restored to fellowship, again, we're born again, we don't lose our salvation, I want to make sure that's clear. But we can break fellowship with God. Before we can be restored, we must be washed, it says. What cleanses us? Repentance. When you repent and come before God and say, Lord, please forgive me. You know what? We need to keep short accounts with God. Amen? We need to pray without ceasing just to ask for forgiveness. Amen? I mean, pray without ceasing for this is will of God, just for the forgiveness is keeping us praying quite a bit right? You you think something about somebody, that guy's a oh, oh, forgive me, Lord, right? You know what I mean? The guy cuts you off, oh, oh, Lord, forgive me. I mean, you're going to be doing that a lot during the day, but that's okay. It keeps short accounts with God. We need to stay near to Him, and when you touch the things of the world, it makes you unclean. And the sad part is, is it says it made them unclean until evening, which meant that they were not able to participate in worship. They were not able to go down and worship the Lord, have you ever not been walking with God and struggling in your walk and then tried to worship before? It's no bueno, is it? You, you know that, Lord, I've got to get right with you before I can do that. I can't do this. Or you come to church and you're just like, oh, man. Lord, And, and church is a great place to come. This is a hospital, not a police station. It's where you come when you're hurting, right? Not to get beat up. And when you come, God wants to restore you, but there's worship that's broken there. You can't worship in spirit and in truth when you have unconfessed sin. And so you lose contact with others. You have broken fellowship. It's sad when, you, when we fall into the sin of touching the things that the world has to offer. Verse 29 through 31. It says, These also shall be unclean to you. Among the creeping things that creep on the earth, the mole, the mouse, the large lizard after its kind, the gecko, the monitor lizard, the sand reptile, the sand lizard, and the chameleon. And again, I'm not struggling wanting a mouse or bat sandwich. This is not a problem for me, right? I'm like, oh, man, I can't have any mouse anymore. What a drag, right? Uh, Oh, no no more lizard sandwiches, right? I'm not worried about any of that. No more lizard casserole, you know? No more gecko omelets, you know? I don't have to worry about that. That's not a problem. But it's saying, don't eat it and don't touch it. He's saying, just steer clear of it. These things are, are dirty. They're unclean. Don't be defiled by them. Verse 31. These are unclean to you. All that creep, and they really are creeps, right? Whoever touches them when they are dead shall be unclean until evening. So if you touch them when they're dead, you're unclean, you break fellowship. When you touch things defiled by the world, it defiles you. Every time. It defiles you. You know, I'm not saying God won't ever call you to do this, but I've had people tell me, well, yeah, I used to struggle with alcohol, so I have a real burden to go down and witness the people in the bars. I'm like, bro, that ain't your calling. Uh, no, you don't, know, you don't, know, you know, that ain't for you to do. You know, I used to date this girl, and yeah, we, you know, we fell into sexual sin, it was a bummer, but, you know, I had a real burden to go and share with her the love of God. Uh, dude, that, no, you ain't supposed to do that. You, let someone else go talk to her. That's not, no. Because you go near her, you're going to fall into your old sin again, right? You flee youthful lust. God's faithful. He'll send someone, now I could go into a bar and witness people, because I don't care. They could, pass, they could put a, you know, five hundred foot-high uh, mountain of cocaine in my driveway, and it ain't going to tempt me. Now, I struggle with plenty of other things, right? And there's certain things that I struggle with that you won't, and you can witness to some people that maybe I can't. And there's are certain areas we need to steer clear of. You know what? That used to be a struggle for me. And you know what? Let's, let's pray for someone. God does send someone to witness to them, but I'm not going to. Touch no unclean thing. Flee from those things that are going to cause you to stumble. And what that means, you know, the Bible says, if your right eye offends you, what? Pluck it out. That means whatever you have to do to keep from sinning, do it. I mean, radical things like, you know, Pastor Dave, I've been really struggling with pornography on the Internet. Okay, get rid of your computer. Oh, but, yeah, but I need it for, uh, you need it for what? Well, I need to t- get a typewriter. I don't care. Get rid of the computer. Take the thing out of your house. At least rip the Internet connection out. Well, I struggle with it at work. Then quit your job. Oh, Pastor Dave, come if you're right, I offend you. Pluck it out. Is that pretty, pretty direct? It's saying whatever causes you to sin is not more important than your relationship with God. No matter what it is, if you're, if you're in an environment that causes you to sin and causes you to fall, if you're if you're struggling because you're you know you're you're flirting with your secretary all the time, go get another job. If you're struggling with somebody at work and it's it's do something else. It's Lord, you're more important. Will God provide for you if you honor Him? Every time, Amen. Every single time, God's faithful say, don't touch the unclean thing. If it's going to defile you, stay away from it. Verse 32, anything on which any of them falls when they are dead shall be unclean. Whether it's an item of wood or clothing or skin or sack, whatever item it is in which any work is done, it must be put in the water and it shall be unclean until evening. Then it shall be clean. If any of these unclean things touched any item, that item became, became unclean. And then what it had to do? It had to be cleansed. Once touched by the world, it was rendered ineffective for what it was created for until it was cleansed. Verse 33. Any earthen vessel into which any of them falls, you shall break, and whatever is in it shall be unclean. Earthen vessel. What's referred to as an earthen vessel in the Bible? We are. The Bible says we're earthen vessels. So when we're unclean, what must happen to us before we can be cleansed? What does it say? We must be broken. We must come to a place of repentance and brokenness over our sin, and God will forgive us. Verse 34. And in such a vessel, any edible food upon which water falls becomes unclean. Any drink that may be drunk from it becomes unclean. And everything on which a part of any such carcass falls shall be unclean, whether it is in an oven or a cooking stove, it shall be broken down, for they are unclean and shall be unclean to you. So anything that it touches has to be totally broken down. Its contents must be discarded. When we have uh, been defiled by uncleanness, that which we would pour out is now tainted. The things that used to pour out of us are now tainted when we've been touched by uncleanness. You know what I thought about here? I've blown my testimony. Right? Right? Something's touched me. I used to be an earthen vessel, that water was poured out of the word of God. And now that I've been touched by uncleanness, it's contaminated all the water. And now when I try to share my testimony, the person says, dude, I saw you drunk at the company party on Friday. Now you're telling me about Jesus. Dude, I saw you flirting with that girl at work. Now you're talking about Jesus. Dude, I saw you blow blow a head gasket with your boss and start yelling at him. Now you're telling me about the peace that surpasses all understanding. Right? I mean, when we're touched by the unclean, what, what pours out of us has now been defiled and we've blown our testimony. Verse 36. Nevertheless, a spring or a cistern in which there is plenty of water shall be clean. Whatever touches any such carcass becomes unclean. You know what? A cistern or a spring is something where water flows. It flows and it's moving. A fountain of water. Living water. Moving water. Cannot be tainted. Living water. Living water. What does that remind you? John chapter 4, right? Woman at the well. Jesus said, if you ask of me and drink, I'll give you living water. Could Jesus be tainted? No. He's God. He's perfect. He's holy, right? Can't be. He's God. That's the God we serve. Amen? So living water cannot be tainted. The Holy Spirit cannot be tainted by evil. Amen? It transforms evil. Verse 37. And if part of any such carcass falls on planting seed, which is to be sown, it remains clean. But the water is put on the seed, and if part of such carcass falls on it, it becomes unclean to you. So when something's been planted, this, and if the seed is still in its shell, it's okay. But when, the, the, when it's out of its shell, then something that comes in contact with it, it is then unclean. And what I thought about there is the shell, almost to me, was like a picture of armor. You know, the Bible says to put on the armor of God, or put on the shield of faith. And when you have the shield of faith and the armor of God, then the things of the world are not going to have an impact on you. But it's when we put that shield down and we're no longer seeking after God that we can be tainted by the world. We're almost done. And if any animal which you may eat dies, he who touches its carcass, so these are the clean animals, shall be unclean until evening. He who eats of its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean until evening. He also who carries its carcass shall wash his clothes and be unclean till evening. So even the carcasses of clean animals rendered a person who touched them unclean and in need of cleansing. And here's what I thought about. Again, this is just Pastor Day's opinion. I believe it could be a reference to those who are clean, saved, but not walking with God. Have you ever hung around somebody who's backslidden and they make you stumble? Right? They're clean, new creations in Christ, but not walking with the Lord. And it says, this thing that is clean to you, once it dies, don't touch it. Don't have fellowship with those who are not walking with God. Try to restore them back to fellowship. But again, we see here that they need to be not just knowing God, but walking with God. God's people were to touch no dead thing, and if they did, it resulted in a need of cleansing and a loss of fellowship. Verse 41. Every creeping thing that creeps on the earth shall be an abomination. It shall not be eaten. Whatever crawls on its belly. No snakes either, guys. I know you're bummed out about that. But again, we're not under this law anymore. But then they were not to eat any snakes. No rattlesnakes. Okay? It says... The things that creep on the earth shall be an abomination. It shall not be eaten. Whatever crawls on its belly, whatever goes on all fours, whatever has many feet among all creeping things that creep on the earth, these these you shall not eat, for they are an abomination. You shall not make yourselves abominable with any creeping thing that creeps. No creeps. Nor shall you make yourselves unclean with them, lest you be defiled by them. So no worms, no snakes, no rodents. Again, tough, yeah, it's pretty difficult, right? But the Lord, again, was he protecting them? Yeah. You're eating a rat? I'm thinking, not good. I'm thinking, probably some disease going on there, right? And the Lord was protecting them. And then lastly, in these last four verses here, dedication of God's people. He's going to give them three motives for purity. Look at verse 44. For I am the Lord your God. You shall therefore consecrate yourselves, and you shall be holy, for I am holy. Neither shall you defy yourselves with any creeping thing that creeps on the earth. Number one, God is a holy God. Nine times in Leviticus, he says, be ye holy, for I am holy, or something along, you know, close to that. A variation of that. Consecrate yourselves. What does that mean? I've taught you guys this. What does consecrate mean? Set apart for what? Holy use, right? To glorify God. Set apart to glorify God. You want to live a consecrated life? Be set apart to glorify God. He said, so, you be holy for I am holy. Consecrate yourself and set yourself apart for holy use. Don't just get the get out of hell free card and put it in your wallet and live like the world. Amen? Be holy for I am holy. Don't just go out and touch the creepy things. Don't be out and touching the dead things. Don't be going out and just living like the world and pretending to be a Christian. Have an intimate relationship with me. It's also in the New Testament. In 1 Peter it says, But as He who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Beware! it is written, be holy, for I am holy. Since we're God's people and He's a holy God, we should live holy lives. Amen? And the dietary laws were a reminder to them to be set apart and different than the world. Number 2, verse 45 says, For I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. You shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Who redeemed us? Jesus. Who rescued us from sin? Jesus. Who's the one that called us out of bondage? Jesus. He's holy. He's our Savior. He's our Lord. He's our King. Shouldn't we follow after Him? Shouldn't we desire to be like Him? He redeemed us. He's our Passover Lamb. He's our sacrifice. And since we've been redeemed by God's grace, we ought to live holy lives to please the God who set us free. And last two verses. This is the law of the animals and the birds and every living creature that moves in the waters, of every creature that creeps on the earth, To distinguish between the unclean and the clean, between the animal that may be eaten and the animal which shall not be eaten. So not only be holy for he's holy, praise God that he redeemed us first, but be different than the world. That's what he's saying here. Be different. Don't be like the world. Praise God if people think you're a a Jesus freak. That's okay. Bring it on. Praise God, right? You know what? Man, you're radical for God. Praise the Lord. Have a radical faith. Be, you know, be in the world, but not of the world. The world needs to hear radical truth. These laws taught the Jews that they were a special people. They are supposed to be different than the nations around them. And because the Jews forgot the incredible debt to the Lord, they began to mingle with other nations. They stopped differentiating between holy and holy, between clean and unclean, and before you knew it, they were worshiping idols. All you've got to do, guys, is start compromising. Just compromise a little bit in your house. Just allow some things to come into your life. And before you know it, you'll be so far away from God and that's what happens. It's, you don't go from being a man who loves his wife and is a faithful husband to committing adultery overnight. It comes with compromise. You don't go from being a great employee to someone who's stealing from your boss overnight. It comes with compromise. Those are the things that happen. And he's saying, don't pursue righteousness, pursue holiness, don't get caught up with the world. Be separate from it. We no longer have these strict dietary laws to remind us to be set apart. But we have today we have something else. We have communion. When you take communion. That's when you're remembering, God's called me to be set apart. Amen? Every time we take it, this is every time they ate the special food, we take it, we're saying, Lord, my desire is to walk in holiness. You suffered and died that I might have eternal life. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word tonight, and we thank you that it applies to our lives today. And I pray, Father, that we would be people who, who walk the walk that was set apart to you. And Lord, that we would truly meditate on your word and, Father, that we would touch no unclean thing. That, Lord, we'd have a burden for the lost, but we wouldn't fellowship with the lost. And, Lord, I do pray for Santa Cruz. Lord, I just pray for revival in this county. And maybe get begin in our own hearts as we walk in holiness and in purity. Not because we're self-righteous or holier than now, but, Lord, because we want to be like you. And, Lord, we don't want to be tainted by the things that are going to get our eyes off of you. Lord, we want to love you above all else. So, Lord, we love you and we praise you, Lord. You're such a great God. Amen. And Lord, we just thank you for it. And we just ask, Father God, that you just fill us with your spirit. And help us, Lord, even now, Lord, as we just close out in this worship song. May we worship you. You're such a great God. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. All right, everybody stand.